0: Following is a member of the Growler Media Podcast Network. Find out more at growlermedia.com. Ming's not unbeatable. With all his men, he couldn't even kill Flash.
1: Gordon's alive. Welcome to Flash,
2: Gordon Minute, presenting your hosts from Minute of Darkness and the Cosmic Geppetto Podcast. Brad, and introducing your intrepid explorer of Planet Mongo, Eric.
3: We are at minute 39 of Flash Gordon Minute. Eric, how are you this evening?
4: Uh, well, Brad, I- I'd like some privacy while I get changed. Could you please stop staring at me in the mirror?
3: I. It, it's just so crazy. It's just. Because she's not even pretend. I don't understand it. First off, she was not like trying to hide the fact she was looking in the mirror. But it's like, you know, you could just turn around and look at him.
4: Yeah, what's the difference?
3: But we're going to talk a lot about Aura and about her peeping habits. But uh, we, we we have some fantastic guests. Eric, who do we have with us this evening? We have Julia and Rick Ingham. Welcome.
0: Thank you so much for having us.
3: Hello there, boys. How are we doing? Uh, I'm doing great. And, man, these are two of my favorite guests Uh, you guys have uh, we've guessed on each other's minute by minutes before and you um, as we're recording this is about the day before we're going to release you guys were on the Cosmic Geppetto podcast uh, for the return of the best of the 90s tournament uh, and I I pitted you against each other and uh, (laughs) has the relationship recovered from that battle
2: oh yes I I learned a lot of valuable lessons that day i find in any situation where julie and i are pitted against each other it's always a good opportunity for me to learn and grow as a person <laughs>
3: <laughs> wow that is a uh... yeah okay I, uh, I I recognize the sound of that. That's the sound of uh, that I talk about my beautiful wife. So I I, I, I know my kindred spirits. Well, uh, this is a great uh, this is a great minute and some fun stuff. So uh, Eric, why don't you what 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 happens in minute thirty nine? Well, uh,
4: as I intimated, Aura uh, is is looking in the mirror at Flash, uh, starting to get changed into the outfit that she's given him so he can uh, disguise himself, and um, we are closing out uh the queen song called the kiss from the previous minute and speaking of sort of the the creepiness factor of of aura looking at him in the mirror you know she says i really like you a lot and there's a great weaving of dialogue with the soundtrack here because the song ends with a little oh oh," which is really really creepy and it's right as she's staring at him it's
3: just perfect first off we came really close to seeing Flash Butt in this scene, and you know, poor Sam Jones, he obviously wasn't real sure. I think he and, and guys, let me know if you. It feels like this scene didn't quite go the way it was tacked out to go because you see could see him like starting to remove his uh, leather diaper there, and then stopping, and then looking, and I feel like he was supposed to like sort of go for reach for his pants and then look, and like his timing was off on it because it, it seemed like a little bit of an awkward scene.
0: I agree. It did seem like something more was supposed to happen before we cut to the hallway. It just seemed kind of unfinished.
4: It's almost like they they were like, oh, right, our movie is PG. Um, mm-hmm. We want to <laughs> show the next 5-10 seconds of what will happen, but we're only a PG movie, so we can't. So just, you have this awkward cut.
2: Yeah, I know that there's a hard and fast rule about how much vulgarity is allowed in a PG-13 movie before it has to be rated R. And I'm just not sure if those rules are in place for how much male nudity you can have in a PG movie before it turns into PG-13. Like, did they have to come out there with a tape measure and be like, oh, sorry, you, you pulled down those shorts an inch or two or maybe a couple centimeters too far, and the MPAA won't let us release that under the PG rating.
4: Well, and also, this is pre-PG-13 rating, so you only had either PG or R.
2: That's Uh, right.
4: So I think if we had gotten some uh, buttocks of Sam Jones there, I don't know that that would have pushed this into the R just for that one quick shot, you know?
0: I don't think it would have. Um, A movie came to mind, Forever Young with Mel Gibson, came out in 1992, and you get full exposure of Mel Gibson's butt. The movie is rated PG. That was PG. Oh, jeez. It was. I had to look it up.
2: With male nudity, you can release that under PG because BG stands for parental guidance. And, you know, if little Timmy sees that up on the screen, he could say, dad, what am I looking at here? And his dad's going to be like, uh, that's a butt. Get over it.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: You know, as opposed to female nudity, which is just this whole nebulous, crazy thing that we need to protect the children from because double standards don't exist.
0: Because females are gross. <laughs>
3: Well, and it does, there's a weird thing where, you do see quite a few male rear ends, and it's become a little more frequent in comic book movies, uh, thinking of, what's it called, uh, X-Men Day, uh, Days of Future Past, where Hugh Jackman, and it was sort of an extended scene, it's like, wow, there's there's Hugh Jackman's butt, <laughs> and even in Thor Ragnarok, and it was real weird, because like, okay, well, there's the Incredible Hulk's rear end, it's like, man, <laughs> I'm looking at a giant cgi butt. Everything's weird in my life.
2: Speaking of giant CGI butts, I'm surprised you didn't go immediately to Watchmen, because obviously not only do we see a lot of Professor Manhattan or Dr. Manhattan or whatever kind of collegiate accreditation he's achieved in his life. <laughs> but I think we also get a pretty good look at Night Owl and his full moon.
4: Well, we also get Dr. Manhattan's fly, I mean, his units flopping around uh, a lot <laughs> in the movie. But yeah, that's an yes. our movie too, though, so they can get away with it. <laughs> A whole
3: different level <laughs> i remember when i saw watchman in the theater it, it was a preview showing so everyone had free tickets and i was there with a, a good friend of mine who's I, I think everyone has that friend the guy who's willing to like cuss out people in a movie theater <laughs> we're sitting down and then to the left of us was a mom with her two tween-aged girls oh, oh dear no. and joe my friend lost his mind he's like what are they doing here why does he have this girl gonna, they're just gonna they're, they're, they're knocked him in the head it's gonna show his penis why and he was he kept like starting to stand up to say something to her and i kept like joe just be cool man just be cool and you could see it affected his enjoyment of the movie and then afterwards uh joe and i met our wives we're talking to them and then he sees the mom with her two daughters outside the theater and he starts to go it's like i think i'm gonna say something to her now there's a woman it's like and it's like Good Lord. And I just turned to his wife. I was like, I like this all the time. She's like, he's like this all the time.
2: <laughs> so we'll probably end up talking about this when we eventually get on to Watchmen Minute. But the first time we saw the Watchmen movie, we saw it in IMAX. Oh, Sweet Fancy Moses. You want to talk about grand scale.
0: Yeah, <laughs> we were also in the front row.
2: Yeah. Wow. We, we arrived late to that one, and we didn't have assigned seating. So yeah, it, was, like it was there. It was in your face. Ugh. <laughs> uh.
3: Well, so so they have obviously going back. They haven't gone this far. It's Flash, just sort of like fiddles around with his uh his leather diaper and then uh you know stops himself. I, I love I I just cannot figure Aura in this scene. She's like, don't worry, I won't look. I like you a lot. She could not be any more obvious looking. And But it doesn't seem like it fits Aura's character to even say she won't look. I really expect her to, like, you know, sort of pull up a chair, maybe lean a little bit just to really get an eyeful. You almost expect her to
2: grab a bowl of popcorn. <laughs>
4: <laughs> and a telescope. Just to... <laughs>
2: <laughs> One thing I was really thinking about, because we sat down and we watched Flash Gordon just to prep for this, and as far as representation goes, is Princess Aura a good female character? Like, she's not just, I don't know if nymphomaniac is a term that we freely use anymore, but she's not just obsessed with sex. She's also very subversive, and she's got her own plans that she puts into effect. And I have to wonder, does that count as good representation? Uh, Julia, I can see you're kind of thinking about this from across the table. What are your thoughts?
0: Well, you know, thinking about it, I think maybe, yes, she is a... A quality female character. She's not necessarily a good female character. She makes questionable choices. Yeah. In the end, she ends up okay. But she makes questionable choices. But she makes her own decisions. She is not afraid to go after what she wants. Be that strategic or sexual or power-based. If she wants something, she goes and gets it. You know, she asked her dad for... Flash gordon earlier on and he said no well she just went and got him and she said you know don't worry i'm not gonna look and i really like you because she wanted to
2: lull him into a false sense of security (laughs) yeah
0: she (laughs) she wants him to trust her and then later on this minute she's gonna lie to him again saying that uh the scientist guy zol i'm sorry i can't remember his name
3: Zarkov. zarkov
0: zarkov thank you is just being acclimatized to their to their planet when she knows that's not true. So she wants to be perceived by Flash as being a good person even though she clearly knows that she's not. But she's making her own decisions.
3: Yeah. That's a great question and a very good answer. It's and I've gone back and forth on this myself because one hand, she has her own sexual agency and uh, you know she, she, she likes who she likes, and she's going to do what she wants to do, and she's um, and she has her own plans, and she has her own ideas She's definitely a very strong-willed, powerful woman, and hey, that's positive. Um, it, it isn't always fantastic, I, I think the problem is, where it's a little dicey, is sometimes it feels like the only power she has is manipulating the guys that want to bang her. We just had the scene with the Doctor, the guy who revives Flash, and... She doesn't really seem, you could question whether or not she's into this guy, but she's, you know, sleeping with him so she can get what she wants. And that, that sort of gives me an uncomfortable feeling that the only power she's given, it isn't that she's clever, it isn't that she's a good strategist or anything. It's like, well, she's really sexy and she owns her sexiness. That's great, but it'd be great if the, up to this point they'd shown her being um, more cunning uh, outside of just, you know, sort of lording her sexuality over people.
2: Yeah, I think What's this, this earlier in the movie, this early in the movie, it's kind of hard to see everything that she has to offer. But I mean, considering this movie was written by three male writers, male writers are only so good at writing female characters. They often fall extremely short of the finish line when it comes to fully realized female characters. Eric, you have a thought on this?
4: I just, I, I all I kept thinking about was, was it Pat Benatar, the song from the '80s, "Stop Using Sex as a Weapon." <laughs> <laughs>
3: Well, we know the song that's going to finish up this minute. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent choice. These are good questions and it's an interesting minute for Aura. Um she looks amazing uh, and there's definitely a cat and mouse thing going on with her and Flash which is really fun to watch and uh, we'll in, in the coming minutes it'll even be more um, obvious. Um but you know so we have the uh, that scene and w- what happens next Eric? They leave the dungeon room
4: and then they're walking in the corridor and I love that the Mongorai accessorized by the way. She part of his disguise that she gives us this gigantic scarf hanging off of his costume which to me just seems like this is obviously some kind of a soldier or general or something like that that they give she gives him and i, I it's it's a major hindrance in a fight all i could think of is that fight in temple of doom when indy kills that guy because his scarf gets wrapped up in the fan and chokes him uh so i just love that the you know she was accessorizing she wasn't going necessarily put this on quick let's get out of here oh but let's I'll, let's get this scarf tied around your neck too and have make sure it hangs nice
2: Now, I have a sneaking suspicion that the outfit that she has brought him is specifically a pilot's outfit because of some dialogue that you're going to hear later on in the movie. And I feel like that's a nice nod to some of those early (laughs) Top Gun pilots where they would have the scarves wrapped around their faces to protect against the windburn because they were all in open cockpits.
3: I like that. I like that, too. And it makes sense the, the, the where they pull the designs from. Of course, it doesn't really make sense because when you're in a spaceship, <laughs> probably doesn't have an opening cockpit. I'm just going to call that out.
0: Yeah. This society, throughout the whole movie, this society has a, an odd amount of Earth traditions included in their own traditions.
3: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, the, the, the thing that was called out early, early, early in this uh, in our show was... How uh, they don't know they, they know nothing about Earth, they don't know the name of Earth, and then they have a button in the where in, in the destroy everything room where it says earthquake. It's like what
4: yes. <laughs> oh, I'm so <laughs>
3: glad I wasn't the only one to notice that.
4: <laughs> and by the way, everyone, teaser for tomorrow's episode. I've got my notes ready for tomorrow. I am tackling that earthquake thing head on finally, once and for all. Excellent.
0: Thank goodness.
4: Yes,
3: yes, it's been making all of us crazy, but uh... yeah,
4: it's been driving a lot of us crazy. <laughs> uh, and so then they, they keep walking, and and she tells Flash to keep out of sight, and she says, "Do you want us both killed?" When when they look in the the, the room where where uh, Zarkov's getting brainwashed, oh. so she's implying that if Ming sees that she's rescued Flash, he will have her killed. Because she says, "Do you want us both killed?" But much like you were just saying a minute ago rick about how she's just lying her way through everything she's saying that to get him moving because i mean ming probably expects her to be doing what she's doing ming's not having her killed
2: i just love that she gives a very specific instruction to remain out of sight they're wearing bright red in a drab gray hallway (laughs) could you be any more obviously dressed (laughs) to be spotted at an instant
3: she's not really one for dressing down uh, i she aura doesn't know how to to, to, to dress drab uh, you know it's it's just not in her nature she's gonna she's gonna live her way through uh, this wardrobe and uh I, I just think that she she can't go against her nature that much julia you called out something before that i wanted to come back to just how ara was obviously lying when she said that uh, zarkov was being conditioned to the atmosphere and i had to watch it a few times and, it, and it's like she's she, She's not that gullible, she doesn't really think that's happening, but it's pretty obvious to you that, no, she she knows exactly what's happening, but she doesn't want Flash to stop, because she's gotten a good enough sense that he would try to save Zarkov, right?
0: Absolutely. Her priorities are very clearly to nobody else except Flash. She just wants to save him. She doesn't care about the other two, and she'll say or do whatever it takes to save Flash, because he's handsome, he's got a nice butt, so... If it takes lying to Flash about this memory wiping that's going on, that is torture for the Doctor, she'll do it. She doesn't care.
3: Yeah, she's not a good guy. She's not... She she doesn't want to overthrow Ming. She's perfectly happy with the status quo. She just likes a guy.
2: I don't want to derail the minute, but I feel like we're glossing over a very important piece of set dressing in this scene. There's a moving walkway down the (laughs) middle of this hallway, and that just delights me to no end i don't know what it is about moving walkways but i just love them and i wish they were in more places than just airports it just it makes you feel bionic like you're you're moving faster than you should and mongo is the kind of place where ming has filled his palace with moving walkways and it's like yes i love it i don't know why it delights me so it just it just is, is great
4: okay i am i i'm gonna call rick out right now as as um being a mind reader because I've got a note that's almost word for word what he just said <laughs> about the moving walkway. <laughs> I, was, I, 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 I see the moving walkway and I immediately thought of when I was a little kid, the very first time, I actually remember the first time I saw a moving walkway and it was in an airport. I was in LAX or, or one of the other Los Angeles area airports. I'd never seen this before. New York City didn't have the moving walkways yet. I got on it and I was just, I was enthralled. I was like, this is, The most amazing minute of my life. I'm standing on a floor and I'm moving. And this is just incredible. My mind was – I was like maybe five, six years old. My mind was blown.
3: Why are moving walkways only in airports? I've never thought of this before. A mall couldn't use a moving walkway? It it just and – you're right. They don't exist anywhere else in the world. I've never seen a moving walkway other than an airport. Why is that?
2: I mean – You've got escalators. You've got moving stairways in shopping malls. It's not that much of a stretch to just start installing moving walkways.
0: No. (laughs) You cannot put a moving walkway in a mall. You can't put anything that would whisk you past a store. Oh, that's a good point. You have to walk slowly, painfully slowly in front of the store. (laughs) So you can walk past all of the windows and see all of the stuff they have on display.
2: Not just slowly past a store, but probably slowly behind a couple of elderly people that are spending <laughs> their day out of the house.
0: Yes. <laughs> An airport is the only place that I can think of, anyways, where there's a long distance to travel where you have no option other than to go to your specific destination. You can't go to the any you can't go to any of the other gates. You only want your gate.
2: Yeah. And That's a really good point, because airports have to be large, because airplanes are large. It's not like everyone's zooming out of there with jetpacks, so you can have really small, condensed, major airports. So I can't really think of any other
3: place where it's that same setup. Okay. Julia, coming up with the the, the good answer. Thank you. Yeah.
0: Although I do love moving walkways. (laughs) Oh, yeah. yeah. My favorite thing is to walk as fast as I can on a moving walkway, so that I'm, like, running down the hall.
2: (laughs) And That's you get kind favorite. of launched off. You do. I, I like. I do this little like, not not like a kickball change, but like a little half skip move as I reach the end. So it's as seamless of a transition, like almost like a river dance thing. Like from the waist <laughs> up, I'm like stone still. Like nothing's changed, but get the feet action going to get off the walkway.
0: The next yeah, time I, we're I, at an airport, I'm gonna videotape you doing that. <laughs> I welcome yeah, it. I I think
4: that. <laughs> I think that the moving walkway because of that first encounter with it I think there is something in my subconscious that always goes back to it. because it yeah, when I'm on one now I, I'm, I'm I'm happy that I'm on a moving walkway and I think that the five-year-old in me somehow is stayed in the back of my brain all these years because of that memory
3: it would be pretty interesting if uh, to, to, to see one outside a walkway outside of that because stuff like that walkways or escalators when you don't see them where they belong freak me <laughs> out and I remember uh, I live uh, north of Baltimore, and uh, one time my wife she had to, was going to an office party at her boss's Annapolis home. Annapolis, Maryland has a great bay um, that is sort of the home to the Baltimore and uh, Washington uh, elite. and we were taking the bus, I mean taking a, a boat through the bay and looked to the right and was like, "What the hell is that?" This beautiful mansion uh, on top of a hill, and at the bottom of the hill was the 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 dock, oh, you know, that was part of the property. And between the mansion on, on this beautiful, lush green hill was an escalator. What? what? Whoa! I'm like, what the hell is that? That is an outdoor, private escalator. And the guy, the the, the guy on was like, oh, these are these are multi-million dollar homes. They have escalators to get down to the dock. I was like, what? That just doesn't look right. It was the freakiest looking thing I saw. And then there was like four or five houses on uh, up against this bay with escalators. And I was like, how, how rich are these people? It's like, one of those homes belongs to Pat Sajak. It's like, oh, these people have Wheel of Fortune money? Oh. <laughs> so on one hand, I would love to see walkways to other places. But if, if if they saw one outside of an airport, I'd probably be really freaked out the first time.
4: <laughs> That's fair.
3: All right, Eric, what else do we have from uh, Minute 39?
4: Well, we get, uh, so then we get into, uh, Ming starts his spiel, uh, to Zarkov after we leave flash and aura. Um, and he's, he says he tests each life system in the universe every thousand years, which I found life system to be a funny term, but you know, at the beginning of the movie, he had never heard of earth. So I'm thinking maybe he had been at earth a thousand years before little teaser for my conversation tomorrow about earthquakes and just forgot about it cause it's a thousand years ago but it also brings up a much bigger question if he's going every thousand years to every life system how old is ming
3: yeah and it's funny if it was just ming himself i would believe the way the character is presented i could believe him being thousands of years old thousands of years old but then how old's ara yeah did he just finally start to start having kids in his like late 20000s <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i'm looking forward to talking more about Ming and the tests and all that, because uh, it, it actually follows up a little bit about what we've already been talking about, Aura. Um, so that tomorrow's going to be a very cool minute as well, and uh, I, I'm looking forward to that. We've got
4: number 13 in our list of Howard Blake music, and uh, very subtle in this minute. Um, there's a quick cue as Flash and Aura are walking down the hall, and then when Flash notices Zarkov uh, in the memory wipe room, there's a quick little da-da-da-da-da... Um, so we've got number thirteen of the non-queen music in the
3: movie. I love those sort of da 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 sound uh, sound effects. It's so uh, evocative of an older time, and uh, it, it it's great. It's a great sound cue. You know exactly what it means. Yeah, bad stuff. <laughs> so, um, Rick and Julio, you know, it's been. It was, I'm so much looking forward to having you with this week, and this has been a great first minute. Um, what's your relationship with Flash Gordon? I'm trying to think back
2: to the first time I saw Flash Gordon, and I think it might actually be not as early as I'd like it to be. I think I first wa- sat down and watched the first Flash Gordon minute after seeing the movie Ted, which you might have already discussed on the show. I'm not quite sure. Ted's come up. Ted's come up. Ted, of course, is the Seth MacFarlane talking teddy bear Mark Wahlberg vehicle where there's a scene where they have a party And Flash Gordon shows up and they, you know, tap in the side of the nose. They have a party (laughs) and things get a little crazy. And I was so interested by this introduction. I'd heard of Flash Gordon before. And so I sought out the movie from there. And I wasn't quite sure what to think of it first. And I feel like my appreciation of the movie
3: has evolved over time. It it can take a few viewings to to understand or really grow to love Flash Gordon. It's a and especially because they don't really make, you know, it's it's a very specific unto-itself movie. Uh, sometimes you don't have context to watch it. And we have talked about Ted a few times, but I think it's worth calling out how crazy that movie was and how crazy Sam Jones' character was in that, where he basically shows up, and within five minutes, he's asking Mark Wahlberg and the talking teddy bear if they want to snort cocaine with him. And there's no repercussions for him doing that. It's just it's like, oh yeah. Yay, yeah, this is a guy who likes to snort coke and offers it to people. He doesn't get arrested. His, his, you know, There's no comeuppance. It's just like, oh yeah. He likes coke. And then in the second movie, he's again offering them the opportunity to snort cocaine with them. <laughs> it's just sort of, yeah, that's right. It's like, when the hell was this? This is a movie in the... In the 2010s, I don't feel like we have that sort of happy-go-lucky view of cocaine anymore.
2: The 80s were a different time. Not that I would know,
3: but they were a different time. Yeah, the (laughs) 80s—that was just like a funny sight gag. But now, eh, you know, I think we 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 view cocaine and that sort of hard drug use a little rougher than that. Uh, You you can do pot comedy still because how you know, pot's pot's barely illegal anymore. But uh, cocaine, we, I, I still feel we, we, we view sort of negatively.
0: My introduction to Flash Gordon. Rick, you and I watched a movie. And it was bad. And you said to me, we probably just should have watched Flash Gordon instead. And I said, oh, I've never seen it. So we sat down and watched it. Do you, does that sound familiar to you?
2: Was that one of our hiatus episodes? I think it was when one of our
0: hiatus movies.
2: When we were in between seasons on the Mad Max Minute, I think I think the movie that I was thinking, or the. I think the movie that you're thinking of is probably Metal Storm, The Destruction of Jared Sin, because it's got sky cycles and lasers and is super sci fi. And I think that was the final verdict on our review of that movie is skip Metal Storm, watch Flash Gordon instead.
0: (laughs) Yes. So we did. And that was my first time watching Flash Gordon. And then the second time was for. Recording with you guys. And I enjoy it very much.
3: It's a fun movie. And it's a really great one to talk about. So uh, I'm looking forward to the next couple minutes. You know, Mad Max Minute. It's a wonderful podcast. You guys are doing all of the series uh, Mad Max. Oh, thank Thank you. You you have begun recording for... Have you started releasing Beyond Thunderdome yet? Or I know you're recording for it.
2: Remind me. When is this episode releasing? Uh, We have no idea.
3: Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Well... To suspend everyone's
2: preconceived notions about how people record these types of podcasts, when we are recording this, it is April 7th, and we are starting our run about Beyond Thunderdome on April 9th, this upcoming Monday.
3: So by the time this comes out, we'll probably have at least a week or two out. Uh, Went to the Jersey Shore... Uh, with my family and it was raining something terrible and which surprises it was unexpected rain and we were like uh, on the boardwalk they had a single movie theater and if uh, mad max beyond thunderdome was playing we went and we saw it and just a really fun movie and uh, tina turner who who was at the height of her popularity uh, as this great uh, scenery chewing bad guy the costumes were so uh, over-the-top, and uh, a, a really fun movie. L- loved, liked it very much, uh, and I think it's aged pretty well. Uh, I think the Mad Max movies do, and uh, you just got to get around the fact that uh, it's Mel Gibson and all the weird feelings everyone has about Mel Gibson now. Yep, you've
2: just got to separate the art from the artist, and that'll that'll help you swallow it. <laughs> Where can people go
3: to find out more about Mad Max Minute?
2: The best place for people to find us is on our main website, madmaxminute.com. You can listen to our episodes there. Or, if you'd prefer, we're also on iTunes and Google Play by searching Mad Max Minute. If people want to find us on Twitter, we're at Mad Max Minute. If people want to find us on Facebook, we, you can find us by searching Mad Max Minute. And we also have a listener page for people that really want to engage with us called Mad Max Minute Beyond
3: Microphone. Very cool. Recommend everyone do so. It's top quality podcast. Uh, Rick and Julia are uh, fantastic, as you can tell by listening to them. And uh, I'm looking forward to uh, a a fun-filled week. Eric, where can people go to find out more about Flash Gordon Minute? Please come chat with us on Facebook on the Flash
4: Gordon Minute listeners vortex. Anything about the movie, the podcast, whatever. Uh, We're on Twitter at Flash Gordon Pod. And we've got an email address, flashgordonminute at gmail.com.
3: Uh, we love it if you can go on to iTunes and uh, r- give us a rating review. Uh, the more ratings reviews we get, the um, uh, more visibility we get. Uh, and also while you're there, you know, you give a listen to a one or two episodes of uh, Mad Max Minute. Give them a rating review too while you're at it. Um, Eric, this has been a, a great day. I'm looking forward to continuing this. I'm feeling sort of bad about myself. Bad? Just read a story about some people were able to train pigeons so they can tell the difference between paintings drawn uh, paintings of pablo picasso and claude monet and here's the thing i consider myself sort of a cultured guy but i'm terrible with art i don't think i can tell the difference between paintings of pablo picasso and claude monet Those pigeons are smarter than me, Eric. Uh,
4: Don't worry about it, because honestly, you know, pigeons, they go to the bathroom all over the place, and then it just looks like a Jackson Pollock painting anyway. So don't worry about any of that stuff. Don't spread it. Flash will save every one of us.
2: Attention, listeners. You can follow us on Twitter at FlashGordonPod and join the conversation on Facebook in the Flash Gordon Minute Listeners Vortex. Stay tuned for our next thrilling episode of Flash Gordon Minute.